0: Again good morning and uh, welcome uh, even the, for those who are uh, joining us online and thank you for all who braved through the traffic stops to come here. Uh, before we begin i uh, will just like to preface by saying that this uh, passage deals with a, the very sensitive issue of suicide. So uh, before we begin if you find yourself maybe disturbed or maybe um, uh, is comforted by this subject I, I hope that you would consider finding a brother or sister in Christ that you trust that you can talk to and they can pray with um, if you would like a member of the pastoral team to be that someone we would love to to do so I'll uh, be more than willing to help all right uh, let us begin uh, with a word of prayer come Heavenly Father we praise you because your steadfast love is better than life Speak to us, Lord, from your precious promises, from your word, so that we may know you and trust you, and learn how we can be living more according to your wisdom. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you have your service order uh, in front of you, uh, that's the outline of my message today. And I've entitled today's message, Living in True Wisdom. Because okay, I think that's a main theme in today's passage. Now, what's Wisdom. The dictionary will tell us that wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. Long story short, it's about making good decisions. If you're wise, you're able to make good decisions. And sometimes we know that we, uh, for those of us uh, who've maybe lived a bit longer, we know that we make good decisions because we've had the bitter experience of making bad decisions. And that's how we learn isn't it. Now there's this uh, quote, I can't find who it came from, it's just floating on the internet, and it goes about something like this. The fool doesn't learn from their own mistakes, but the wise man learns from his own mistakes. But the wiser man learns from the mistakes of others now today in today's passage hopefully we'll be looking at mistakes people are making uh, hopefully for us to be more wise as well so the main idea for us today is that true wisdom is living according to god's truth trusting in his purposes and relying on his grace and we will see these three um, this this main idea in three parts from a wise counsel of ahithophel versus hushai wise response of hushai and ahithophel and last but not least a wise Posture. And lastly, that will be from Absalom and David. And that's where we'll be going. Now, uh, we weren't here last week. Uh, last week, we were closed. We had an online uh, short service. But, but what happened is that we are actually working our way through 2 Samuel. So if you join us this week, uh, we're actually on our way in a series through 2 Samuel that actually we began last year. So this year, we picked up our series back in chapter 11. This was seven weeks ago by now, right? And, and what happens is this, you see a lot of these themes are tied in to today's passage. So if you allow me to summarize from chapter 11, we see David, God's king, God's chosen king, fall into sin at chapter 11. He, he committed adultery with Bathsheba, he tried to cover up that sin with murdering Bathsheba's husband Uriah and he was successful in chapter 11. But God confronted him in verse 12, right? He rebuked David and he, he actually uh, confronted David with his sin and David repented. He said, I'm sorry, please forgive me. God forgave him, but he warned him of consequences. And we saw these consequences in verses 10 to 12 of chapter 12. Yeah, Is there? It can refer to it in your Bibles as well. Uh, there's few things. The salt will whenever depart your house, uh, and God says, I will raise up evil from you uh, from your own house, and I'll take your wives, uh, your own wives from your eye uh, uh, before your eyes, give them to your neighbor. He will lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. These were all consequences of God's loving discipline upon David, as we saw. And all these things actually played out in the next chapters after chapter twelve, before this chapter. In chapter thirteen, we saw how David's son Absalom murdered his brother amon Amnon because Amnon raped Absalom's sister. Right? That the sword never departed his own house. His sons murdered each other. We saw Absalom run away and was brought back in. But in chapter fifteen, Absalom, now the crown prince, instead uh, uh, started a coup. He he stole the hearts of the people of Israel and and. Rebelled against his father, overthrew his father, in last chapter in chapter sixteen we saw David how David fled from the capital. He fled to go into the wilderness, and in the last bit of that chapter we see Absalom he upon the counsel of Ahithophel went into his father's concubines, and we'll deal with that in a bit. But all that happened, and all this played a part in Absalom's court now in Jerusalem. Okay. So, before we go in further, today's chapter plays a large role of two men, uh, two of Absalom's counselors, which is Ahitophel and Hushai. So, let's look into them a bit, okay? Who's Ahitophel? We've actually seen Ahitophel for the first time in chapter 11. In chapter 11, verse 3. Bathsheba was the daughter of Eliam. Now, where's Ahitophel mentioned? We know. In chapter uh, Samuel, 2 Samuel 23 verse 34 that Eliam is a son of Ahithabel the Gilonite. Bathsheba was Ahithabel's granddaughter he's first mentioned there and a lot of people uh, scholars would say that this is why in chapter 15 Ahithabel was willing to go with Absalom to reject King David and we see in last chapter right in chapter 16 uh, Ahithabel gave Absalom the idea to go into the concubines and this was wise advice like Andrew revealed to us that this was shrewd on Ahithophel's part. Why? Because it severed the ties between Absalom and David. It was a point of no turning back, right? And, and there was no turning back from that point on. And it also cemented uh, Absalom's authority because to own the king's harem is to assume the authority of the king. So this was Ahithophel. And we read one last bit in verse 23 of chapter 16 that the counsel of Ahithophel was as if one counseled the words of God and so the counsel of Ahithophel was esteemed by both David and Absalom. That Ahithophel was so wise, it's as if he has a direct line, channel of God to give. And he did, he did give good advice, right? Now, when David heard that Ahithophel, this wise counsellor, switched sides to Absalom, he prayed this prayer in chapter 15, verse 31. O oh Lord, please turn the counsel of Ahithophel into foolishness. How would God answer this prayer? Does God answer this prayer? We only get silence. But in the next verse, we, we see Hushai. So we have counselor number two, Hushai, in verse 32 of chapter 15. Now here, summarizing verses 32 to 37, Hushai meets David on his way out. And he wants to follow David. And David says, no, 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 don't follow me. Okay, The journey is going to be hard. You stay on in Jerusalem. Defeat for me the counsel of Ahithophel. So Hushai stays, he goes, right? And of course, in, in uh, chapter end of chapter 15, we see something that plays in today's chapter, that David sets up a spy network. The priests, Zadok and Abiathar, who also offered to, to follow David, for whom David also said, don't follow me, right? Were there, and he says, let them report, send, their report, send your report through them to come to me, through their sons, uh, Jonathan and Ahimaaz. So that's what happens. And we see how Hushai uh, is before Absalom last week. So Absalom sees Hushai and says, "Uh, Why are you here? Shouldn't you follow your friend David? And Hushai tells Absalom, No, for whom the Lord and his people and the men of Israel have chosen, his I will be, him I will remain. Now, of course, we know Hushai's true loyalties is with David. So he says, No, but who the Lord has chosen, who the people have chosen, his his I will be, his I will remain. We actually know he means David is God's chosen king. I will remain his forever. But of course, Absalom, in his vanity, what did he hear? He heard, of course, who else could he be referring to? Of course it's me. God chose me. Of course, I'm, I'm here in power, and I? So that's how it sets the stage. We have both Ahitabel and Hushai. And we come to verse 1 of chapter 17. So, verse 1. Moreover, Ahitobel said to Absalom, Now, the fact moreover here link, uh, indicates that this happened on the same day that Ahitabel told Absalom to sleep with the concubines likely it's after the fact, right? It brought daylight. Then before that, he says, he, he gives this advice. Now let's, let's recap what does he tell him. He says, let me choose 12,000 men. I will pursue David tonight. I will come upon him when he's weary and discouraged. I'll throw him in panic and all the people with him will flee. I will strike down only the king. And verse 3, I will bring all the people back to you as the bride comes back to her husband. You seek the life of only one man, all the people will be at peace. A six-point plan, short, succinct to the point. Uh, only 42 words in the Hebrew. What's his goal? Maybe uh, is to kill David tonight, strike while the iron's hot, they are weak, they are dejected. Maybe Ahitabel heard of the very public procession of David out of Jerusalem, that everyone was mourning and sad and dejected. They, they are not in the, in the mood to set up a fight. And, and, uh, and Ahitophel goes. And he's not going to make a lesson, he's going to kill one man only and he will bring people back. The people will be at peace the word peace in in hebrew means shalom it means wholeness it's not just about stop fighting but that the people will be whole again with david as king gone the only other alternative is absalom and therefore the people will be whole and this is absalom's advice i will just show you this ahithophel's advice was very good advice and that's what we read in verse four absalom and all the elders of israel basically their leaders the advisors all said good but then we come to verse five absalom we're not sure why, but someone who he wanted a second opinion. Maybe Ahithophel's plan involves Absalom just sitting on the sidelines, not getting any of the glory. Maybe on the, on the night that he or she uh, already uh, made himself impure by sleeping with the concubines, uh, he's not fit for battle, right? He could not have battle that night itself. He didn't want that. Maybe Absalom was also thinking, it can't be that easy, could it? You know, the feeling that if something is too good to be true, likely it is, right? Whatever it is, uh, Absalom asks for a second opinion. Likely at this point, uh, Ahitophel already left the room. He gave his advice; it was accepted. He left the room, and and, and Absalom calls back Hushai, and he lays out Ahitophel's plan. What's Hushai's response? This time, Ahitophel's counsel is not good. You see, here Hushai shows his shrewdness. Right? He knows if he says Ahitophel gives bad advice, he'll be discredited because Ahitophel had a good reputation. So he's saying, this time. Maybe this time he had a bit of oversight. Maybe this time he was a bit proud. He, he underestimated David. And then in verses 8 to 12, he uh, lays out why Ahithophel's plan will fail. He, he spoke to Absalom's insecurities. He used flowery language. So where, where Ahithophel was direct to the point, I'll do this, 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 this six-point plan, he says, no no, 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 you know, your father and his men, they're like, They're like a bear enraged, robbed of their cubs, and and, and they'll be killed. And when that happens, your men, whose hearts are like a lion, will melt and be demoralized. He uses this flowery language to play into Absalom's insecurities. He says, you know, all Israel knows that David and his men are mighty men. Implying that Ahithophel either underestimated David, Ahithophel didn't know. Or maybe Ahithophel, in his pride, overestimated his own ability. And the use of the bear and the lion is meant to link the person to the memories of the stories of young King David, the young shepherd boy who, while tending his sheep, killed a bear, killed a lion before going on to kill the giant Goliath. And all these stories are meant to play in the mind. to say, no, it would not be that easy that the man who eluded capture from King Saul in the wilderness would elude capture by, by Ahithophel's small strike force as well. So what should Absalom do? Verse 11, this is my counsel to you. Gather the people from Dan to Bathsheba. In our perspective, it's like telling someone, gather every single person from Perlis to Joho Baru, from the very north to the very south. Gather everyone together and you'll be like sand uh, by the sea. Again, he's, he's continuing on with the uh, you know, flowery language here, right? And you go battle in person. Oh, Absalom Luthor, right? And, and you will come upon him like dew falls on the ground. Now, I know most of us here are city folk, right? But if you've ever been in a field in the morning, maybe try to remember back as far as you can when you were in school and you were in school for morning assembly on the field, suddenly the grass was wet. No one sprayed a hose on the grass. What happened, right? We know how how does dew form. Dew forms because of the precipitation. As the air gets more humid in the cool of the morning, it gets to a point where it precipitates on the grass. Do you see the, the, the dew form one by one? No. You just feel it, feel it, feel it, and suddenly, boom, before you know it, there's water all around on the grass, right? forms like that, and this is what he says, like, before he knows it, we will appear all around him, there's no warning, and we'll surround him completely. And what more? If they hide in the city, all Israel will bring ropes to that city, drag it to the valley until no one pebble is found there. Now, this is not literal. This has never happened in the annals of history, right? But it's, it's hyperbolic language. Like, the, the might of the, the army will be so great that they can use ropes, and drag a walled city into the valley, but of course, Hushai used dramatic language here. Now, Hushai here sounds like he would have been a very promising have a very promising career in the marketing department. But what was he really doing? He was actually trying to buy time for David, because ultimately he knew his loyalties is with David. And of course, in verse 14, the first part of verse 14, we see Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the council of Hushai is better than the council of Ahitabel. That it's not just that the elders liked it, but there was more popular appeal with Hushai's plan. Now before we continue on, here is where we come to our first principle. Remember, friends, true wisdom is living according to God's truth, trusting His purposes and relying on His grace. And our first principle for this section is that true wisdom is about living according to God's truth. Now, here's the thing. From a human's perspective, Ahitophel's counsel would have worked. How do we tell if, usually, huh? how do we tell if a plan is good? How do we tell if something is wise? If it works, right? Based on success. And here, Ahithophel's plan, we know from, from, from hindsight, he was right. David was demoralized. His people was all in one place. And if Ahitophel at that moment had struck, they haven't even crossed the Jordan. They're not far. He would find him. He would kill everyone with him. Or rather, kill David and everyone will be demoralized, and Absalom will win. But you see, Ahithophel's advice, even though it's wise from a humanly perspective, even though it gives success, it was not wise because it's not godly. You see, Ahithophel did not align himself to God's chosen king, he did not align himself to God's purposes. See, friends, true wisdom is according to God because God is the Creator. He made everything. God is the King. He determines how everything will be. If I were to give an analogy, it's like when we when we when we buy a new kitchen appliance or an electrical appliance, what do we do? How do we figure out all the buttons and how to use it? Right? We read the manual provided by the manufacturer, isn't it? This is how you should use it, and and this is how it, when and when and when you should press this button. Uh, don't put it near this, or don't put it in water. We use it according to its instructions, right? Now, what do, we use, what, do we, and what do we do when someone comes in, maybe a guest comes in and uses that appliance and breaks it, breaks your 10,000 ringgit espresso machine? Oh, what do you do? Hopefully, you contact the manufacturer and hopefully the warranty is valid, right? You go back to the manufacturer. Now, friends, in life, when things don't make sense, when things are broken, when tragedy strikes, why is the world messed up? Where do we go? Do we try to figure out what is wrong? Do we take that electrical appliance with the screwdriver by ourselves and dismantle it to see what's wrong? And we can't put it back together? No. We turn to the manufacturer, the one who made it, and ask for his explanation from the instruction manual. We turn to God and look in His Bible and He tells us the explanation for why things have gone wrong is sin. Friends, sin is the turning away from God. It's the rejecting, rejection of God. And mean, the Bible tells us that everything in our world today is broken because of sin because we as one as humanity has turned away from God from his wisdom God says this is the right way this will lead to life and goodness and we say no 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 we know better we want to try better and we go our own way and just like using an appliance in a way that the manufacturer never intended it to be used will break it like using a hairdryer to try to replace an air fryer you're going to break the air, the the, the, the hairdryer, you're not going to get things cooked and maybe even melt your socket. Sin will cause life to fall apart. Sin brings death. In fact, what we're seeing, what we've been seeing in the past chapters was the playing out of David's sin in chapter 11. One night of sin and we're still looking at his consequences that not just with David, not just with his unborn son, but with his whole family, with the whole nation. Chapters and chapters later, Sin brings death and destruction. And therefore, wisdom is about following God's order, coming to God, recognizing what God says about sin, where true life is to be found, and living according to that, turning away from sin and turning back to God to respond rightly. And that's what we see in our next section. But how does Kushai and Ahithophel respond to this? So let's look on. How does Kushai respond? Now, we'll be Dealing with the, the last bit of chapter verse fourteen later on, but first let's look at what Hushai did. Immediately, also um, is implied here. After he gave his advice, Hushai left, and not knowing if his advice would be followed, he went to contact Zadok and Abiata. Remember that spy network. He activates it now. He tells them, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, of what to tell David. He passes the news to Zadok and Abiata, who passes on the news to Jonathan Ahimas. David, get out of here. Go. Don't stay before the Jordan, go. Now you'll be swallowed up. So it happens, he goes, right? And Jonathan and Ahima, they had a a wise plan that there would be a female servant to go to the well and they'll be there waiting. But problem in verse verse 18, they were spotted by someone loyal to Absalom. And Absalom was told. Here, the plans in jeopardy. Would Absalom find out? Would, Would he kill Hushai and follow back Ahithophel's plan, knowing that he was betrayed? So, what happened? They ran away into the house of a man at Bahurim. Now we saw Bahurim in the last chapter. It is from Bahurim that we see Shimei who cursed David. Right? This, is this man who hates David's guts came from Bahurim. But from the same place we see a, a reversal of sorts, that there is also a man who is loyal to David, who would hide his spies. And the spies were hid. This man he hides him in his well, he covers up the well, and when, when, the, when Absalom's servants come, he says, no, 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 they are over there, and they go. And they can't find him. So in verse 21, the the men come out of the well and they go to David. They successfully reach David to give him the news and David acts immediately. And by uh, the next day, not one person was left. Everyone went over. Successful, right? Now we see here how Hushai responded was because his true loyalty, he aligned himself with God's true king. Therefore, his counsel was wise. He successfully warned David. Now what happened with Ahithabel instead in verse 23? Now Ahithabel, He saw his counsel was not followed, he saddled his donkey, went off to his own city, set his house in order, and he hung himself. Now, Ahithophel is smart. He saw before him, Absalom was doomed. And therefore, he only had one option. Either go back to David, or die. And he chose death. Now this is very tragic. Now, this was not a, a spur-of-the-moment decision. It was, it was not, uh, you know, he was just emotional and he did it. No, He premeditated, he thought through it step by step, and he actually went through it and hung himself. Now, here's where we need to address something really, really important. Suicide is tragic. But suicide is never the solution for our problems. Friends, people who resort to suicide, it's not because they're selfish or they're weak. But maybe because they've held on for as long as they could. And when they finally couldn't, they give in. They give in to the thoughts that there's no way out. They give in to the thoughts that, they are not, that they're all alone. They give in to the thoughts that maybe the world is better off without me. But please hear me. I, I want to be as loving as possible. If this is you, if you're struggling with those thoughts, please know that that is not true. Please know that that is not from God. It's not wisdom from God. That is a lie from the devil. Because the devil will seek to kill, steal and destroy. That if you pursue that path, that's what will happen in your life and the lives of those who love you around you. Don't believe the lie. That that you you fight on because there is a reason to remain. That God has a purpose. That you can trust that there is more waiting for you. That suicide is never the option, friends. That this is tragic in Ahitobel's case because instead of responding on God's mercies, God's chosen king, he chose death. And this reminds us instead of another traitor in Scripture that we read of in our Gospel reading in Matthew 27. We read of Judas Iscariot who led the authorities to arrest Jesus. Maybe perhaps Judas didn't expect things to go too far, that far. He thought maybe Jesus would get himself out of it. He always does. So he got the payout, maybe I'll get the money, Jesus goes free, win-win, right? But when Judas saw Jesus arrested, condemned, and crucified, guilty, he felt shameful. he saw no way out of his shame, and he hung himself. And it's tragic that Judas shows death instead of repentance, because when we look at the example of another disciple of Jesus, another disciple who betrayed Jesus that he, he vehemently denied having anything to do with him, he brought out curses upon himself, that "I believe don't know this man." right? Leading up to the cross, this was Peter that after Jesus' resurrection, he came to Peter, loved him, and restored him, that Peter repented. He came back, and he was restored. And we know that Peter was the leader in the church. Please, don't buy the lie that there is no way out, that there's nothing left that God can do in your situation. Don't buy into that lie. I know it may seem like it. So, so please, before you resort to that last terminal option, ask for help. Help can be found. If, if you would like um, the pastoral team, like I said earlier, please reach out to us at SaintMarys.my/Connect. Uh, the pastoral hotline, if you have any emergencies, 01-5762-8524. is in the, the bulletin, it's in the order service. Please reach out. Don't fight alone. You don't have to. And for those of us who are walking alongside someone who's depressed, let us. Show them love and patience, a safe place for them to fight along, to know that there is something worth fighting on for. Let us do that and not allow them to bind to the lie like Ahitabel did. Now last but not least, as we move on, we saw Ahitophel seeing no way out because he did not as wise as he was as a human being, he did not take into account what God was doing. And that's why we come to what God was doing at the end of verse fourteen. See, the whole thing, we get to see a behind-the-scenes picture of what God was doing. That the Lord had ordained to defeat the good counsel of Hithopel, so that the Lord might bring harm upon Absalom. What God was doing, he was answering David's prayer. God's purposes was in David, his chosen king. The king who repented and came to him, and not Absalom, the proud usurper. And this verse, that God ordained this, that God is doing something, is the theological center for this whole chapter and it marks a turning point for David. This is the, the next time, this is the only time that us, ever since chapter 12, when God was pronouncing the discipline upon David, that we hear God explicitly talking and acting here. So what did he do? Remember the pronouncement of discipline? The salt will never depart, the evil come from his own house, the wise given to David, all of it already happened. At the end of verse chapter 16, now in verse chapter 17, there's a turning point. Now that discipline was done, God will work his purposes to save his king, David. True wisdom is living according to God's truth, trusting in his purposes and relying on his grace. And this leads us to our second principle, that is, true wisdom is trusting God's purposes. Friends, God is in control. His purposes will prevail. It was God who inserted the doubt in Absalom's mind to seek a second opinion. It was God who overturned the counsel of Ahithophel. It was God who ensured the news got to David. God's purposes will prevail. That God purposed to save David. Not because David was awesome. Okay? Okay? Not because David was obedient, even though he was, but because it is true, David, that God also has a purpose for a greater son of David to become the ultimate king, who will bring true shalom to all people, to all the earth. That We know that it is Jesus, the eternal Son of God, to come into our world 2,000 years ago, suffering as we did as a human, and dying at the hands of evil men. That Jesus was tortured and crucified on a Roman cross, even though he was sinless, that this was an act of injustice, this was a dark moment in history. And if you find yourself in a dark situation with no way out, I encourage you, friend, look to the cross. At that point, the cross it looked hopeless, all followers deserting him, Jesus being alone, hung, hanging there in defeat, so it seems. But that dark moment of history was God's plan for his great victory. That in one Corinthians 18, he says, "The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing of this world, but to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men." Friends, if God could take evil at the cross and turn it into life-giving victory, God who made everything is still in control that even the worst that humans or even demons try to do would not be able to thwart his purposes and his purposes are for us today as well and that's what we've read in Romans 8 in our New Testament reading earlier that we know that for those who love God all things work all things work for good for those who are called according to his purposes Friends. Knowing that God is good, knowing that He has a purpose, He has a good purpose for you. And what's that purpose in verse 29 of Romans 8? It's that you'll be conformed to the image of His Son. So He'll be the first one among many brothers. At the resurrection, that we will be there with Christ. If today you are having your life in, in a mess, and you do not know what it means to have true wisdom, do not know what it means to unite yourself to God's plans, would you trust in Christ today? Know what it means to live by true wisdom by the one who made you who longs for you to come to him and for those of us who have done so we know that this is the way to god's grace and that's where we come in to lead in our last uh, portion here a posture of grace uh, comparing absalom and david the next verses now we see in the next verse uh, david came to mahanaim but then Absalom came across the Jordan with all the men of Israel. Now, we'll, we'll come back to David in a bit, but let's look at Absalom. What did he do? Uh, presumably, he followed Hushai's advice. He gathered a great army, and he, he, he settled down, and he set Amasa, uh, who was also a cousin of Joab. Now, Joab's with David. Joab's a great general, but Amasa's also great. We'll see more of him later on. Okay? But what's, what's here? What's uh, Absalom's posture? He, he gathered his army. He appointed his general. He's going to achieve his victory. It's all about him. And that's where we leave him for now. We'll revisit this in chapter 18, okay? In contrast, oh sorry, before that, remember Absalom, it's all about him, it's all about his plans. And God is not a consideration for Absalom whatsoever. He doesn't consult God, he doesn't inquire of God, he doesn't seek God. He seeks counsel, but he doesn't seek God. And that's Absalom. we come to David in verse 27, David came to Mahanaim. Now again, there's an irony here. We've seen this place before. This was the same place. Uh, Mahanaim means two camps. It was a place before David became king of all Israel that David was fighting Ishbosheth, son of Saul. Israel, the nation at that time at Mahanaim, was in two camps. But the irony here is now Israel is again in two camps with the righteous king at Mahanaim. And here we introduce three people. First is Shobi, son of Nahash, from Rabbah of Ammonites. Now, who are the Ammonites? Way back in chapter 10, they were the ones who spurned David's grace and caused the whole war with David, right? Now, David killed the Ammonite king, and Shobi is his brother. We do not know what's the story behind it, but very, very likely, David extended grace to Shobi. He didn't execute him along with his brother and the rest of the Ammonites, but rather he puts him in charge. He shows him grace. Next, we see Machir, son of Amiel. Who is Machir? Again, we've seen him earlier chapter 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 9 of 2 Samuel. Markir is the one who took care of Mephibosheth, the crippled son of Jonathan. He took care of him for decades. Maybe uh, because he's the son of Saul, the living uh, line of Saul, he's in threat for the next king. But when David finds out Mephibosheth, he doesn't kill him, even though he's the political enemy. He shows grace to Mephibosheth. He he lets Mephibosheth dine at his table because of his love and uh, promise to Jonathan, his father. So uh, Makhir here has witnessed David's grace in a situation where anyone else would have killed Mephibosheth and last but not least we have Barzillai the Gilead it's the first time we're seeing him but what does what do these three men do they, they bring supplies, beds, bas- basins, vessels, uh, uh, wheat, barley, flour, meat, honey curd basic essential needs that actually help because people were hungry and thirsty that Barzillai here Uh, had no reason to, but he shows grace to David. They provided abundantly for them. So we have here three people, two men for whom has witnessed David's grace and one to whom is showing David grace. Now, as much as David uh, was thankful for the sustenance given by these material things, we actually know that David's heart was longing for the, the sustainer himself. And that's what we read in Psalm 63 just now. David's prayer here in the midst of the desert, he says, Oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you. That David's desire is for God because he has known of God's goodness, he's known of God's grace. David knows the wisdom of relying on God and God alone. And verse 2: When I behold oh, you on the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. When David comes into the sanctuary, the place he, he's not awed by the beauty, even though it is beautiful. But he is reminded of the promises of God, the promises that God fulfills. And that's why he says, because your steadfast love, God, your promise keeping love that you never change, that you are faithful, your, pro- your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. And friends, true wisdom is pictured here as relying on God's grace. That's our third principle grace is undeserved favor. It's God's kindness to those who don't deserve it. For us, God's grace, like I said, is not only in Jesus dying for for us, but that by faith, by our faith in Him, God unites us with Christ. Unites us together with our sin, our shame, our humiliation, and our own wrongdoing, our own foolishness at the times we were not wise. And God unites that with Christ, puts it on the cross. And as Christ died and rose again, that union remains and we are raised with Him to share in his glory, resurrection glory in heaven. That God's grace is not just for some future moment, but also an ever-present reality in the Christian's life. As you read from the Apostle Paul, writing in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, God told Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. For those who are feeling weak right now, you're you're among good company. But it is through our weakness that God's glory, His power is made perfect. Friends, true wisdom is living according to God's truth, trusting in His purposes and relying on His grace. I have one last thought here, then I'll close. If we only live for this world, our career, our bank account, friends my age, they are chasing something called financial independence and retirement early, fire. right? They're chasing after that. But if you only live for those things, if you only live for things of this world, it's so short-sighted, friends, because everything in this world is affected by sin. and It will be destroyed. It won't last. Absalom lived for the glory of the throne. He didn't last. Ahitabel lived, bet his whole political future on the wrong horse. And when that didn't pan out, he died. Friends, living for this earth is too short-sighted. Let us not be like the fool that does not learn from the mistakes, the fool that, that stubbornly holds on to the foolishness of this world and not turn to God in repentance, like Absalom and like Ahitophel. You see, the actual reality was that God is the true path to wisdom, that God's purposes will endure. Only God can truly satisfy us and give us real meaning in life that will go on beyond death. Only God can do that. So, we learn to trust God, repent from sin, turn to Him, That be that wise person to learn from their own mistakes in repentance, like David. David repented from his sin and he says, God, only you, I only have you, and turn to Him. And for us, hopefully we'll be the wiser person, right? To learn from the mistakes of those who wouldn't repent, learn what it means for true wisdom. But there is a wisest lesson, a, way, a wisest way yet, and that is to learn directly from God who made us learn from God in the means that he provided through his word through his community through each other because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom it's something we can only do with his help so let's pray father we thank you that you do not leave us in our foolishness but you've made it every possible way for us to return to you to find wisdom to find life Help us, Lord, not to be foolish, to make the wrong choice for things that won't last and sacrificing things that will endure, the, the promises that you've promised us, Lord, that will last are beyond death. Help us, Lord, where we are weak. Help us, Lord, where maybe we've forgotten this and need to be reminded. At the end of the day, Lord, save us by your grace that we may turn to you and cling to you. In your word, we ask this in Jesus' name.